So like, like Emma said, we're, we're kicking into this new series. Every um, last few years, we've always started the first term with a, with a series that we all kind of do and, and um, encourage folks to do groups or G3s around it as well. And um, so this uh, last year, we, we did the second half of the Sermon on the Mount. So it was a Kingdom Life in a Broken World. Um, which was this explanation? Jesus, you know, it, it was Jesus's mandate of the kingdom, and um, talking about, you know, what what does it look like to be people of the kingdom? And and this new series that we're going to do for this first term is going to build on that, and and it's much more kind of looking. It's going to look inwardly, but it's also going to look at what what do we as a church community do? Um, because we, you know, particularly in the West, we tend to be very individualistic about our faith. It, it's kind of what you know, what can Jesus do for me? What do I? How do I surrender to Him? You know, what do I? What do I do to kind of get in step with what He's doing? And um, so, if you want to track along with that, we're we're basing this series loosely on this book by James Ryan Smith, who we've we've um, used a couple of his other books at different times. Um, it's the Magnificent Journey. Um, so we're not we're not sticking uh, you know totally in step with with what the book's about, but it's but the the authors primarily focus on the in, in, on the internal journey of of spiritual formation, you know what does it mean to to be formed as a follower of Jesus, but but we want to we want to turn that slightly from the from the, that kind of individualistic mindset to much more around this thing of what what would it mean for us as a church as a community to come to to sign up for this again you know every year it's, it's signing up and saying where does Jesus want to take urban vineyard what does he want to do for us as a community as a as a church united in purpose and our our urban mission statement you know we, we don't kind of have bulletins or anything like that anymore but but our urban mission statement on the website is that we that we are about developing Developing followers of Jesus through authentic kingdom living, and it's this sense that we're that we're calling one another forward, but we're also reaching out to those that don't yet know Jesus, have, who haven't even begun to enter this journey yet. Um, so, it, so it's a discipleship journey that we're going to embark on on the next couple of months, um, but in two directions, inward and outward. And the reality is this: that that life is is much more about rhythm, and uh, rather than balance or equilibrium. You know, uh, so much is written about kind of how do you have a good work-life balance? You know, how do you how do you get sort of family and work, or marriage and work, or friendship and work? How do you get those things in the right kind of balance? But the reality is this: the aim is the aim biblically is always about rhythm. Uh, not balance or equilibrium. I, I've been enjoying this little book, Surfing the Edge of Chaos, which is which is actually a business book, but it's but it had surfing on the front of it, so it, so it, it, it had me. Um, but but one of one of the guys, one of the author's thesis is, is this: he says equilibrium is the beginning of death. When it, when everything settles and it's all at the same level, everything stops. It's it's the first sign of death. Because life is life is about turmoil. Life is about chaos. Life is about we didn't expect that. To, you know, we we this time last year we were kind of going. This is going to be a great year. You know, finish a national role. I am stoked. I'm full of, apart from a chainsaw injury. I'm, you know, I'm stoked. This year is going to be awesome. And the, you know, then we we had a one good month, didn't we? And then it was like, oh, oh, that little flu coming out of Wuhan doesn't look that cool. And before we knew it, we were we were locked down, and uh, the year was kind of like blah. Um, so Jesus, Jesus talks in this way. He says, uh, "This is from the Message version." But he says, "Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion?" We, we, you know, we. This is such a Eugene Peterson phrases this, this, these words that, that Jesus said so beautifully. But um, and we use it a lot. But uh, so he says, "If you if, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion, come to me. Get away with me. You'll recover your life, and I'll show you how to take a real rest." 
Walk with me and work with me. Two things, two steps. Uh, and, and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. It's just it's so beautiful. That's why we, we often sort of come back to it and, and chat about that scripture. But it's so beautiful because he's talking about, you know, how do we, how do we learn to, to, to do life? How do, we, how do we find satisfaction the Jesus way? You know, how do we learn to be fruitful the Jesus way? You know, there's, there's so many other things that that our culture would talk to us about, about how you know how to how to be how to have joy, you know, how to have a how, how to have a fulfilled life. There's influences everywhere. They're trying to tell you just wear this, you know, put this on, do this, you know, have this experience. But what Jesus talks about is he talks about learning these unforced rhythms of grace. You know, how do we learn? as an individual, to do life the Jesus way? How do we learn as a, as a church, as Urban Vineyard, to, do, to be church the Jesus way and, and growing up and maturing the Jesus way? And so church rhythm, as well as our personal rhythm, is always about a two-step. It's always, you know, again, I, 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 I always fear that I repeat myself, but that's, I guess that's what happens when you get old. You, you, you know, you've told the story before. Um, but the reality is that the, that the act of walking is, a, is a, actually a crazy act when you think about it. You know, we've got, we've got little grandchildren, um, and watching them learn is, t- you know, it's incredible any of us survive, the amount of furniture that small children bounce off. You know, they seem to find a pointy edge. You know, where's the pointy edge? I, let me just stumble into it. Um, but, you know, but, but the reality is that, is that walking is nothing more than, than controlled lurching. Because, you know, all we've done is we've, we've managed to make it quite graceful. You know, we, I walked up here, I don't know if you noticed that, but it was... It was nice, wasn't it? Nice moves. Um, didn't, I didn't stumble, didn't bounce into anything. But it's just because I've learned over over sixty odd years how to how to, how to walk properly. But but the reality is to walk. So equilibrium is like this. It, it's standing still. But the reality is, the moment you stand still, you're going nowhere. And and so what we do to kind of get anywhere, we've got to throw ourselves off balance. And the moment you throw yourself off balance, you've got to put a foot out. Otherwise, you do face plant. Um, and and then if you want to keep moving, then you, then you lurch the other way and you put your foot out. And before you know it, this is beautiful, isn't it? But before you know it, you, I went to church this morning, I learned how to walk. Um, <laughs> um, but, but that's what life is about. We're constantly lurching and then taking a step to strengthen it and lurching in the opposite direction and taking a step and, and stabilising that. But it's all about movement. And, you know, it's, it's, not about, it's not about learning how to be balanced. It's actually about lurching. And, and so, you know, in church life and, and in reality as an individual, the, these are the two steps that we constantly do. You know, the, the first step is, is this thing of kingdom expansion. Or, you know, for us as an individual, we have an encounter with Jesus. You know, he, he speaks to us out of his word. He, he whispers to us in that still small voice. He, he convicts us about something. He says, I, I want you to stop doing that. You know, and, 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 the, and the moment you do that, you kind of go, I'm going to take a step towards that. I'm going to say yes to that. The moment you do that, you, you, you're on a journey. And, and, then, and then what you do is you want to build that into your life. So you take another step and you build, you build a home. You build a, you build a community around that truth. You kind of go, this, this, is, this is the Jesus life. I, you know, I, I encounter, I build. As a church, you know, we, we, we see the kingdom of God moving in a person's life. And, we, and, 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 and so we charge after it. There's an opportunity to serve Jesus in this place. There's, there's things happening here. We put our hand out towards it and we get involved in that. And the moment you do that, you start seeing that people begin to congregate. 
create. And you go, well, we need to build this into community. And that, that's how every church in this nation has started. It, it started, didn't start because someone sort of said, Let, let's build a building and fill it with people. It, it began because God was up to something. And then when people congregated, we, we sort of said, do you, do you know what? We could turn this into a congregation. Um, and, you know, and, it's, and it's that kind of movement that this kingdom is about. It's like walking one foot after the other on an intentional journey, on, this, on his straight and narrow path. You know, one of the best metaphors of the Christian life and of, of, and of this journey that we're going to talk about is, in fact, the path or the journey. And, and it's a path that we walk with Jesus. And, and, and somehow or rather, God's joined us together. You, you know, if you thought about why, do, you know, why did I just decide to become part of Urban Vineyard? You know what? I mean, the, 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 Auckland has hundreds of churches, hundreds of local expressions of the church, and, and why? Why do we end up here? You know, and, and there can be lots of reasons. You know, but but essentially, it's because Jesus called us here. You know, we look there, we kind of went, it's really good, it's awesome, it's got real strength here, it just doesn't feel like home. And we go somewhere else, and it's kind of, this, this is exciting, and there's lots of stuff happening, but it doesn't feel like home. And, and, and we come, and we ended up here, and we kind of go, I like it. I, I love what Peter always says, he says, there's no bells and whistles here. And um, so, it should be our advertising banner, there is no bells or whistles. <laughs> we teach you to walk. You know? um, no, 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 I love it. I think it's a compliment. I think it's so, so good. <laughs> but it's, but it's, but something drew us here. And, and it's Jesus. You know, when you get right down to it, you wouldn't stay in a church if Jesus was saying to you, if he was nudging you and saying, I don't want you here. This is, this is not your people. This is not your home. You know, we, we wouldn't stay there. We'd feel, we'd feel that pressure to, to be somewhere else. And people do, you know, people move and they join other communities. Um, but, but it's too easy for us, I guess, in a, in a sense, to, to forget this, that this Christian life, that we're, that we're walking together, is a path. And, and oftentimes I think, uh, probably subconsciously, it's very easy for us to think about the, the process of spiritual formation as being, as being a static body. It's, it's me, I pray. I say yes to Jesus, I, you know, I, I grow up, I become mature, I started as a baby, I became a, a young person, now I'm an adult, and I'm, it, it's me growing, you know, I'm, I'm developing this, this house. But, but it's really important for us to always remember, because that's, that's somewhat static and individualistic, it's important to remember that the Bible's written to a people. It's not written to an individual, it's written to a people. And the Old Testament was written to, it, it was written to the family of Abraham. Uh, in the New Testament, it's written to the family of Jesus. Uh, you know, it's, it's the, the people who, of God who have willingly and intentionally arranged their lives around, around three commitments. A commitment to Christ, a commitment to his people, his church, and a commitment to his cause. You know, what's Jesus about? You know, that's, that's what church essentially is. And so this, this two-step rhythm is, is as a church, we're looking for where's the kingdom breaking and what's, what's God up to? Go on, answer it. <laughs> um, and, and then, and then, building community. We're gonna, we're gonna forever find finding ourselves on one foot or another. Urban's, urban's gonna be. We're looking for what the God, for what the Lord's doing, so we can put a hand to it. We can, we can put our strength into it. We can be involved in it. What's, what's He inviting us into? And part of this series is, is gonna, is, is almost to kind of set us up for that, for that thing. Because it's not, it's not just about gathering on a Sunday. It's why has He, why has He put such a beautiful bunch of people together? What, what's the purpose in that? There's got to be a reason more than just well, you know, they ran out of seats somewhere else. You know, there's, there's, there's got to be a reason why He's put us together. 
And part of the glory of, of a church is, is together we find out this is, this is why he's got us together. And part of it's the network of friends that we all have. You know, that, that this would be a place where pe- we could invite people. Anyway, so his, so his invitation to us is, is to get in rhythm with the, king, with the Jesus journey on the, in that same way. And, and God's way of, of moving us forward is always the same. It's, it's fascinating. It, it's just always, it's always simplicity. In Hebrews 6, the writer, the writer, whoever wrote Hebrews, we're not real sure who wrote Hebrews, but the writer said this, so therefore, let's move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. And, you know, lots of versions will just say repentance and faith. And it's fascinating that those are the, those are the two steps we, we constantly work our way through. Our personal reformation through the power and the invitation of the Holy Spirit has that same rhythm. God speaks to us, we say yes. You know, we're, we're heading, we've been believing something wrong. He speaks to us and says, I want you to stop believing that. I want you to believe this because this is truth and it will set you free. And we say yes. And, and we have faith that he's, that he's right. So, so we're forever, you know, in a sense we don't go back to it, but the way in is always the way on. Repentance and faith is how we began this journey. Repentance and faith is how we continue this journey. It's, it's always, you know, for all of us, it's always this thing of repentance from dead works. It's not, it's not necessarily repentance from sin, because, you know, sometimes dead works are just things that we used to do, but, we, but they no longer serve us. Maybe, maybe some of our spiritual habits, uh, you know, our, our devotional life, it, it served us years ago, but it's not, it's not creating life in us anymore. So it's repentance from dead works. Something that was once life can easily become dead to us. And he's saying, I want you to move on. I, I want you to try something different. I, I, you know, I, I'm inviting you to take another step. So our personal reformation happens that way. God speaks, you know, again, whether through his small voice or his written word or through teaching or through a kingdom encounter, through another, another believer that says something to us, and then we respond to that invitation. And, and, as, and as a group, you know, what we're looking for in, this, in the, this beginning of our year is we're looking, what are the steps that God wants us to do? You know, what are the things that, you know, it's brought us this far, Urban, but maybe it's become dead works to us. Maybe, maybe there's things that we do that are just like, that's not life anymore. It's just, that's just going through the motions. And we, and we all have those moments, don't we, when we kind of recognise, uh, you know, I'm just going through the motions, but it's just, you know, it's just not touching my heart anymore. This, you know, you can read this, and I'm, and I'm not saying, as, as I begin, I'm clarifying the sentence before I even say it, but, <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you read the scriptures and it just doesn't touch you. You know, and, and I'm not saying that every time you read the scriptures it should be a eureka moment or a, or a rema moment. But, but over time, you know, if we find ourselves just going through those same spiritual rhythms and they're not bringing us life, they become dead works to us. And it's time to dig deep again and say, what do we need to do? And there's a church. There's things that we, can, that we have been doing that possibly aren't that helpful to us anymore. And, and, and in reality, this... The, the, the way in is always this thing of surrender. You know, surrender is, you know, I, I think when you think back about how did, you, how did you become a Christian, or when did you discover that you were a Christian, and it was always around this thing of surrender. And every act of surrender is relational. You know, we don't surrender to nothing, we, we surrender to Jesus. And it causes spiritual growth. And like I say, the way in is the way on. Everything begins with surrender. Everything begins with this moment. You know, as a 20-year-old, when I gave my life to Christ, it, it was this moment of, I can't be trusted with my own life. 
I'm going to take it places it shouldn't go. I need to put this in the hands of someone who knows what they're doing. Uh, you know, you know, or whatever your response was, but that's how it felt to me as a 20-year-old. It's like, I have no clue about life, and it's time for me to be led. Um, and we accept his invitation to enter his heart. You know, we, we don't ask Jesus into our heart. He, he invites us into his heart. And we say yes to that. We say, yes, I want, I, want to, I want my life to be hidden in you. And I want to go where you're going. And so began the journey, the adventure of, of following Jesus. Now, it's, it's an amazing thing, isn't it? And, and, then, and then the first thing we do when we get up from our knees after, after bowing, our, bowing our, maybe physically bowing our body, but certainly bowing our hearts, you know, at the foot of the cross, we look up, we stand up, and, and immediately we see people around us, people just like you and I. And it's like, my, so my life's hidden with, these, with this crew. And so part of this journey that we're going to be in is trying to figure out what does it mean? What does it mean? You know, I, I've surrendered, and as a church, we have to surrender. We've got to surrender the way that we do church. We've got to surrender the way that we, you know, maybe some of the things that have been helpful for us in the past. Maybe we need to surrender some of those things. In, in uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, a very familiar verse, it says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so this thing of surrender is going, to be a, it's going to be a big theme for us through this series. You know, and the beautiful thing about surrender is this. We're surrendering to a person. We're surrendering to the one who loves us more than anyone could ever love us. You know, this, words that are similar are words like obedience or submission. You know, submission is a really interesting word. Submission, one of, the, one of the Greek meanings of the word submission is to simply get your, it's like a military meaning. It means get your troops in order, you know, put the right people in the right places. And, it's, it, and submission just really means when we submit to Christ, it's like get our lives in order, get our church in order, get, things in the, get, get the right people doing the right things, get the, get the right part of us doing the, the, the things that it's designed for. So we, we arrange our lives individually and we arrange our lives corporately around his life and his and his cause and and, we, and and this thing of surrender and this is what I, I just want to kind of meander around this just for a few moments but this thing of surrender is going to be a really beautiful thing for us over, over these next weeks of, of just learning that it's actually the most freeing thing that an individual can do with their lives um, and um, in this book he's, there's so many things in this book that are very quotable but let me, let me read a couple of quotes here so to surrender and obey is the gateway to living deep in the kingdom of God the Sermon on the Mount is the greatest teaching ever given by the greatest teacher who ever lived Jesus the central verse of the, of the sermon is Matthew 6.33 strive first for the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well to seek first the kingdom is the desire to do God's will and to live in God's way. And we, when we do this, we're living interactively with the power, the provision, and the protection of the, of the kingdom of God. It's a really beautiful thing. One of the things that Jesus invited us to do is he invited us to enter. Remember, remember in, that, in that sermon he says, enter through the narrow gate. For, for you know, the, the path to destruction is wide, but the way to life is narrow. So follow the narrow path. You know, go through the narrow gate and follow the narrow path. And, and again, he says this beautiful thing here. He says, so enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction. And there are many who take it, for the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life. And there are few that find it. And the narrow gate is a metaphor for choosing how to obey, sorry, for choosing to obey the teaching of Jesus in the, in the sermon. It's choosing to go the second mile, to give rather than to receive. 
not to be angry with your brother or sister, to bless those who curse you, to forgive one another, and not to judge or worry. Stepping through the narrow gate is choosing to live as Jesus' apprentice, to seek to obey everything he teaches. As one commentator noted, Jesus himself is the narrow gate through which people pass as they respond to his invitation to the kingdom of heaven. The way of discipleship then stretches throughout one's years on earth, ultimately leading to life eternal. So stepping through the narrow gate is choosing to live as Jesus' apprentice, to seek to obey everything he teaches. Isn't that beautiful? That, that, that he is the gate. You know, that, that the moment, to, enter, to enter into the gate is not to kind of go, great, I've, gone, I've come through Jesus and now I can do what I want. But it's, but it's to enter into Jesus himself. That, he, that he's, he's, he, he gave us it. He, he said, do you want to come into my heart? And when we said yes. I, I want to live my life in the heart of God. I, w- I want to experience this thing. You know, I, I, when you think about this thing of surrender, I was trying to think about, you know, I mean, it tends to have quite a negative um, connotation. It, it tends to happen when people are at the end of their work. You know, it's kind of, ah, oh, man, you know, I've tried everything, you know, just gave up. Um, but I think it can be more positive. Like that's, that is valid surrender, but I think it's more, more positive than that. You know, it was, I was thinking back, what, it, what does it feel like to surrender? And, and, and I just had this memory of, of being a, a young child, um, you know, a young school-age kid, a primary school-age kid. And um, we lived in a, in a small country town, so our parents, when they went out, were never that far away. I mean, it was three blocks probably. You know, but, but there was still that kind of feeling of the parents, the parents aren't home. And, and that, that, high, that high sense of, of, of alertness, it was hard to sleep because my parents weren't home, they were, they were out at something. And, and then hearing the, hearing the key in the door, I just almost instantly went to sleep with, because it was like, ah, oh, they're back. You know, I, I, I mean, I'd surrendered to their protection. I, I'd surrendered my needs to their, need, you know, to their, to their ability to, to supply. Uh, again, you know, just just last week, you know, we we walked to the um, the Abel Tasman uh, coastal coastal track, and and, um, and I was thinking about, you know, the, there's a moment there when we instru- where, where we submitted to the instruction of the guide in crossing the Awaroa Estuary crossing, and, and she said, you know, the most obvious place is to just go straight across, um, but the reality is, even at low tide, that's really deep. Um, what you actually do is, is you aim for the dock hut and you just go straight across there and it'll only be, it'll only be waist deep at, at low tide. You know, because otherwise you've got to walk for another hour or something around the path and we, we're not into doing that. Um, but it was, that, it was that sense of, well, I trust you. I, I don't think you're messing with me. I don't, I don't think you're going to try and uh, set me up to fall into a, you know, a hole. Um, yeah, it, so, so submitting is a is a beautiful thing. It was like, gee, thanks, Reba. That was awesome. Thank you very much. That was. I would have. I would have made a mess of it because I probably would have gone. The, you know, being a bloke, just gone the direct route. It's like, just go there. Um, so the reality is this: that that. Um, well, let, let me read you a little thing. I, I can't even remember where where I got this. I, I dropped it into my notes a, a couple of weeks ago when I was thinking about this, just beginning to, to pray about this series. And and the person is describing what it is to uh, to have this daily sense of surrender. He talks about this person. He says each morning this person, uh, she opens her eyes to see the same ceiling, the same room, hearing the same sounds, and immediately her mind runs towards the new day. And there are tasks to be done and there's appointments to be kept. But before her feet swing over the side of the bed and touch the floor, there's a struggle to be met and won. Does this day belong to her or to someone else? 
She fights the most important battle of the day before any action is ever taken. Every single morning, she rethinks her life in light of God's kingdom. She's reminded of the three choices facing every disciple every day. Deny ourselves, take up our cross, follow Jesus. And she must decide every day whether she's really willing to yield her priorities, tasks and schedule to the Lord. And for her and us, it's not a matter of doing different tasks or changing careers. It's a matter of deciding who is boss again today, of repenting from the universal tendency to think that we're the masters of our own fate. Three choices made each morning can grow us into mature disciples, capable of experiencing the with God kind of life. And settling these questions each morning is a way of repentance, of rethinking our life in light of the king and his kingdom. And I just thought it's like it's such a such a simple story, isn't it? But that's the reality, you know. And, and again, for us as a church, every week we have to kind of think, well, what? So um, we've got to, we've just got to deny it, deny this thing of it's just we just do the same old, same old, same old. It's you know, it's not that we have to reinvent ourselves every week, but it's but it's just choosing and saying, what does he want? Um, of taking up our cross, of realizing that our, you know we, we've already been we, we've been judged through the cross, and, and our life is now tied in Jesus. Everything we have, our destiny is, is in Jesus. Our walk is in Jesus, and then and then literally deciding, I will follow Him again. Every Sunday we do that as a church. You know, not that not the church is just about Sunday, but you know, and, and it's a simple thing. Um, and again, in the um, in James Bryan Smith's book, he has he's he's kind of captured a couple of beautiful prayers um, of surrender, some historic prayers, and and um, let me just read John Wesley's covenant prayer. So John John Wesley was an Anglican um, clergyman who who eventually um, felt so disconnected that that um, that the whole Wesleyan movement started after him, which is the Methodists and the Wesleyans and so on. And, 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 it's, and it's impacted, you know, a lot of my background was, was with YWAM, and Wesleyanism is, is right in the core of YWAM. Um, so, so he has this, he calls this his covenant prayer. And, and it's said that this is a prayer that he'd pray every day when he got up. So I, no longer, I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for thee or laid aside for thee, exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth let it be ratified in heaven. And um, I'm going to put these two prayers in the in the um, Easy Church app if you want to um, use them during this week and kind of kind of just practice this. You know, I, clearly clearly you'll kind of move it from old English to new English, but but you know you kind of s- s- uh, stumble over wilts and these and and all that kind of stuff. And then Ignatius of, of Loyola um, had a prayer which he called the it was the Suskipe prayer, which was which was a prayer of I'm ready. Just just means to be ready. And he says, So take, O Lord, and receive my entire liberty, my memory and my, underst- my understanding and my whole will. All that I am and all that I possess, you have given me. I surrender it all to you to be disposed of according to, you, to your will. 
Give me only your love and your grace, and with these I will be rich enough and will desire nothing more. Amen. You know, and what these prayers do is they, is they just they just kind of center us back into, that's right, I belong to Jesus. My life is hidden in Christ. It, it's, it's all about him. And, and if I don't center myself every day, I'm just going to rush off into my own priorities. And they may well take me places. You know, the, the voices in, in, our, in our culture are very loud voices. They say things like, you know, me first, um, get all you can no matter what the cost, you know, and, and before you know it, you know, and you've got, to, you've got to look after yourself, so you need to, you know, create this and do that, and, you know, I, I mean, they're, they're so contrary to the ways of God, you know, and, and it's not to say that we shouldn't be great business people, that we shouldn't be great teachers, that we shouldn't be, um, you know, great factory workers, that we, that we shouldn't be great mums and dads, you know, that we shouldn't be great friends, you know, it just means that we actually wake up each day and we kind of go, I belong to somebody else. I, I, I already, even if I'm self-employed, I'm already, I'm already, um, I already have a boss, and I follow him. So what I'd love for us to do as we, as we finish today, um, I'd love for us to we'll, we'll try and we'll try and pray pray Wesley's prayer um, uh, in in current English. You know, and you, you can do the translation as we go. Um, but I'd love for us to pray it first of all. For me, as you know, for us as individuals, and then I'd love for us to put it into the plural, for us as a people, you know, because because I think God's got us on a beautiful journey this year. I, I, I don't know where it's going to take us, because because this is a brand new year, and 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 so many things have changed, and we've got to figure out where are we going to go. What what's what's the, what's the thing that He wants us to put our hands to? There's so many things that a church can do. There's so many things that that together we can kind of put some real strength into some areas. But what is it that he wants us to have? So is that all right? Shall we pray this? Um, 